It's time once again for the Go-Giver Podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Hello again, I'm Bob Berg. We have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value-packed show today. Is it true that there really is no I in team? We'll look at that in our thought of the day. And in our interview segment, Hall of Fame soccer icon Christine Lilly on building a powerhouse as she shares wisdom from her recently released book she co-authored by that very name. That and more on today's show. I thank you for joining us. Most of us have heard the saying, there's no I in team. And when you first hear it, it kind of sounds like it should be true. But I've never quite totally agreed with that saying. I mean, I agree with it literally since, indeed, there's no letter I in that word. I also agree and feel very strongly that the individual needs to put the interests of the team before their own. The way the saying is often intended, however, is where I take issue, as though one must lose their individuality. In my opinion, a team is nothing more than a group of individuals who've come together in order to achieve a common goal. Now, if these individual team members are wise, they understand that only by putting the good of the team ahead of their own ego-based interest will the team win and their own true interest, being part of a winning team, be served. This is of the greatest benefit to them as individuals. This holds true for everything from sports to family to business. Vince Lombardi himself, the famed NFL multi-Super Bowl champion coach, said, individual commitment to a group effort. That is what makes a team work, a company work, a society work, a civilization work. Note that the very first word in Coach Lombardi's quote is about the individual. All too often when brought in to speak at corporate sales and leadership conferences, the client will tell me that one of their biggest challenges is the silos that have formed, causing separation both of spirit and communication. Those in one department believe theirs is the linchpin of the company and that without them, the company could not possibly succeed. And hey, they might be correct. Of course, the same can also be said about pretty much every other department. The attitude, though, results in a lack of trust, a dearth of communication, and a company bottom line that is not nearly as healthy as it could be. When this happens, jobs tend to go and the salaries are not nearly as high. In other words, putting one's own, in this case department's, interests ahead of the entire team's or company's is also detrimental to the interests of the individual. Sports, family, business, they all involve individuals, ourselves, and others. And to the degree we put the good of the team ahead of ourselves, that's the degree we all thrive. So if being part of a winning team is a high value for you as an individual, then be a team player. Put the good of the team ahead of yourself. But there's no need to lose your individuality in the process. You want to know an individual who has mastered both immense individual and team success? If so, then you'll want to listen in to our upcoming conversation with a magnificent Hall of Fame soccer champion, Christine Lilly. She'll share wisdom from a great new book she co-authored and which can help all of us to be a better team member, leader, and individual. Christine Lilly, coming up right after this.
Would you like to close sales gentler, easier, and more effectively than ever before? Would you like to never again have to discount your prices? Would you like to become objection-proof? Would you like to learn the one thing that motivates every human being to action and the only reason why people ultimately buy? Do you want to more effectively than ever before communicate the exceptional value that you provide to your customers and clients? If you answered yes to these questions, then what you want is to learn how to sell the go-giver way. If you'd like to dramatically increase your ability to influence and sell, then check out my one-hour audio program fully transcribed titled Sell the Go-Giver Way. For more information, click the link in the show notes. There are famous photos which signify major events in sports history. Often when you see them, you remember exactly where you were when the event occurred. If you're of a certain age and grew up in the greater Boston area as a Bruins hockey fan, it's the photo of Bobby Orr being tripped by Noel Picard of the St. Louis Blues just as Orr scored the game-winning goal 40 seconds into overtime that made the Bruins the 1970 Stanley Cup champions. As a Red Sox fan, there was uh, Carlton Fisk famously waving the ball fair for the game-winning home run in Game 6 of the 1975 World Series against the Cincinnati Big Red Machine. Fast forward 24 years, and if you lived anywhere in the United States, perhaps anywhere in the world, it's the photo of Brandi Chastain ripping off her shirt in victory after scoring the winning goal for the U.S. women's national team in their 5-4 overtime victory over China to become World Cup champions. But there was one woman who made Ms. Chastain's game-winning shot even possible with a magnificent save as she headed away what would have been a certain goal. Her name is Christine Lilly, and understand that what she did is considered by many to be one of the clutch plays in sports history. And even though the photo of Christine's save is not nearly as well-known, it represents the epitome of why it takes a team to win a championship. And Christine herself is with us today to discuss her great recently released book. It's titled Powerhouse, 13 Teamwork Tactics That Build Excellence and Unrivaled Success, co-authored with management consultant Dr. John Gillis Jr. and university associate provost Dr. Lynette Gillis. The book, with blurbs of praise from icons ranging from Tom Brady to Billie Jean King, from General James T. Hill to Sheryl Sandberg, and a foreword by Mia Hamm, is about teamwork and leadership and success and combines both an athletic and business component, Christine with the athletic part and doctors Gillis with business. Aside from now being an author, Christine Lilly, truly an expert on effective teamwork, consults with organizations providing lessons gleaned from her remarkable soccer career. She played midfielder for the United States women's national soccer team for over 23 years, and her successes include Olympic gold medals, World Cup championships, and four national championships when she was an undergrad at the University of North Carolina. And let's not forget induction into the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame and the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame. Wow. Aside from being a corporate consultant, website being christinelily13.com, Christine also now is co-founder or actually tri-founder and coach of Team First Soccer Academy, along with two of her teammates and fellow Hall of Famers, Mia Hamm and Tisha Venturini-Hope. The URL to their website is teamfirstsocceracademy.com, and we'll find out more about that uh, later. Both of the URLs mentioned are, of course, in the show notes. Hi, Christine. Welcome. 
Oh, hi there. How are oh, you? Oh, I'm great. It's so what a delight to have you with us. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, it's it's nice to join you and uh, uh, chat team and all these wonderful things about soccer and working yeah. together. Hey, so before discussing the wisdom in your terrific book, I think we have to get your thoughts on the recent World Cup. Otherwise, I'm going to have a lot of listeners mad at me. So you've probably <laughs> been asked this about a thousand times over the past month or so. Uh, your thoughts? <laughs> Well, it was it was incredible. I was fortunate enough to be over there for the semis and finals um, and obviously watched all the games on TV back home prior to that. And it was it was it was awesome. It was uh, it was great to to see, you know, live and in person. I mean, the only other times I was at the World Cup was when I was mm -hmm. playing. So to have the perspective of sitting in the crowd was definitely um, different and, and really enjoyable. Uh -huh. Uh, and then I got the opportunity to actually go down to the field after they won the final to be on the, the podium yeah. to congratulate. So that was a treat for me. And, and it was just wonderful. I mean, the, the smiles and the happiness that they felt um, I could relate to. Uh, but they really just, you know, dominated um, in the World Cup. Not necessarily always playing the best game, but you could just see the strength in, the, in, in their play compared to other teams with their fitness, with mm -hmm. their you know, uh, technical and tactical abilities. So um, I was really super proud of them. Yeah, you know, and I got to say, I loved seeing you up there on the stage at the, at, you know, at the end in that final ceremony. I thought that was really kind of a cool thing because it really, uh, you, know, you were really one of those people, uh, you were that, that founder, one of the founders, really, of that uh, dynastic um, Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it, it was cool just because I think it was... Um, to, you know, to be a part of it, but also just, you know, just see what, you know, FIFA is trying to do to bring more women involved in, in, in the game, um, outside the field and, and putting more attention to the women's game. So I think this is a start mm -hmm. to, to bring past players involved yeah. to help the, the sport good. grow too. Very good. Uh, so again, as we go through, uh, some of the keys in your book, we're going to focus your part uh, on your part, which was team building and leadership as it relates to your personal and team experience. But anyone who's a regular listener of this podcast will easily be able to transfer anything and everything you share over to a business environment, whether small or medium sized business, major corporation, but really they can learn the specifics when they read your book. Cause your co-authors did a wonderful job too, of, of presenting it. It was really, it was great teamwork, even in the book. So you all practice what yeah. you the three co-authors <laughs> we did it when after i mean obviously we knew we were working together but then looking back at it, it really just shows the power of working together with others uh to get um yeah. for a common goal yeah. to be successful so let's you know i mentioned earlier i used the word dynasty and i and there have been relatively few dynasties in 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 sports uh, and i think and this is just my opinion please tell me if you're you're wrong you're the expert but i think people often confuse a dynasty with a really good run, okay? Like, you know, so somebody mm. wins a, a couple of championships, a few championships in a row, that's a good run, not a dynasty. To me, a dynasty is, you know, the New York Yankees from the 20s through the 50s, the, the Celtics mm. from the 50s through the 70s, uh, in hockey, uh, the Montreal Canadiens from the 30s through the 70s. Those were dynasties, why? Because it didn't matter who was coaching, it didn't matter who was playing, they just kept winning. And, mm -hmm. and so I said, with that premise in mind, who else qualifies as a dynasty? Well, the United States women's national team. You've had different coaches. You've had different players keep winning. Why? You know, I, I mean, there, are, there is reason. It's not just a, the sporadic thing like, oh, they're winning this and that. Um, 
there are definitely reasons being, and I think that starts off from the foundation that was set early on um, with Anson Dorrance, who started mm-hmm. coaching the team, I believe, in 86. And um, he set the foundation. I think the first thing I remember just is like his common thing was like, we play for each other. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be the fittest team out there where we're not going to be able to, no one's going to be able to outrun us. And combining those two things and then obviously building off that with many of the tactics we talk about in the book, um, built something that um, unless you played for the U.S. team, you don't, you, you can explain it, but you don't really understand. Uh, (laughs) And I think it's funny. I was talking, I think, uh, Alex Morgan's in the book too. And she talks about when you, when you join this team, you're a part of it. And then you feel what it means to be on this team. It's not only just working hard and, you know, trying to be a starter and helping your team win, but the responsibility to it. And, uh, it's an honor to represent your country, but also to play for the U S women's national team. It's not an easy thing. And, uh, it's it's competitive and to be in a competitive environment where then you have to come together to be successful is really an interesting um, concept. So does it go back to the culture that was first created and, and somehow it, it just kept um, uh, it just kept engendering itself? It just kept on uh, without change? Was it active? I mean, what uh, how does that last like that? Well, I think a part of it lasts uh, because of the people. And I think if you look back, I mean, the program for the U.S. women's side for U.S. Soccer Federation started in 1995. I mean, but it wasn't very, I mean, busy, obviously. I think they played a couple games. Michelle Akers was the one that was first part of the first team. And then 87, when I joined, it's about two years in. We weren't that busy. But then from 1987 to when Mia and um, Jules in 2004, they retired. So 17 years, you had a core of, of women playing together from, I would say, eight to ten people that played in that time frame uh-huh. for that long. So you look at that and you're like, hold on. Okay, it wasn't just two or three right, players that right. played for that. It was a good group of, you know or eight to 10 people that within that 17 to 15 year, 12 to 15 year time range. So you have that coming together. Then you have these great leaders like Carla Overbeck that, and Julie Fowdy that instilled in what our messages were, you know, whether it was work playing for each other, you, you were never bigger than anyone on the team. The captains, you know, were picking up the ball bags. So were the, you know, the reserve players. So you never, no one was ever higher than anybody in that con, uh, in that aspect. Uh, and then you lo- loved and cared for each other. We, d- we really did. And um, when we stepped on that field, we wanted to be successful together. We wanted our friends to, you know, to be happy. And that, that's pushing each other. And, so, and there's so, I mean, there's so many elements. Yeah. But what, what was so great is it, it continued. And I even look at the team today and you look at how they um, came together and played for each other. And, um, you know, I'm not inside the locker room, so I don't know all the ins and outs of how they feel, but you can see that they came oh, together yeah. and that was due to a lot of, and a lot of them have played together for quite a bit too. So, okay. I, I want to go to the title of your book, Powerhouse. It kind of mm-hmm. sounds like one of those things you understand, but I always like to ask, ask for definitions. What do you mean by a powerhouse? Yeah. What is a powerhouse? You know, I, I, when I first, we were trying to name the book or be part of that process with our, our publishing group, I was a little skeptical because I was like, powerhouse, sometimes that um, stands as a negative connotation. You know, you're like, oh, that's a powerhouse. You know, not, some, not, sometimes it's not always a happy word or, or a humble word, per se. But then we did look at the definition, and we have it part of the book, and it's basically a team having great energy, strength, and potential for success. And I, when I look back at my team, 
the energy was incredible. The strength of these women was uh, unbelievable. And we always believed we could be successful. So it was really that kind of simple. And I was like, you know what, that's a great, you know, definition of the word that, you know, we're trying to describe my group of uh, women that I were teammates with, but friends with. So there are four actions that teams need to take. And again, I, I said this earlier, but it's, it's athletic, but it's also business. Uh, the mm -hmm. four actions teams need to take in order to become powerhouses. Can you, uh, Christine, take us through a quick overview of these? And of course, the first letters of each spell out team, T-E-A-M. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you know, when John and Lynette and I are, were putting this book together, we're trying to find ways to to make it, you know, connect with uh, people, not only the sports world, but the business world. And and I think playing on the word team um, was a great uh, look that John actually kind of brought to the table. And I was like, oh, that's great. So we have four pillars. We have transform where you're trying to bring the team together. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're selecting your members. So in the sports world, you know, you're trying out. Um, and then when you bring that group together, you're lining them. And then you're obviously making goals for that team to start. And then, and then you have this, our second pillar, Empower. So now you've got this group of uh, uh, players, and then you're trying to create, to give them power. And then you have to set the foundation, which we talked about with the national team already and how that foundation's really set forth and continued on. And then with, to continue that message, you need your leaders, and then you need to add an element of an international play. And I think for the soccer world, that's a big element for us because we're constantly playing against other countries. And I think obviously business and organizations, you know, are not just in the U.S. based; they're you're worldwide as well. Um, and then you go to our third pillar to achieve. So this is, I think, this part I like. This is where the work's done. You I know, knew you were going to say that. I knew you because that is you. <laughs> you. This this was you. Everything you talk about here, the preparation, the pre go, go ahead because this, yeah. It, yeah. And I think this is, I mean, everyone's like, uh, okay, well, you guys are good and all that, but there was so much work that needed to be done and you come together. I mean, when people talk about teamwork, it just doesn't come. It's, uh, that doesn't just happen all because you pick teammates. So, you know, you have to work at it and you learn how to work with, within each other. And I think this chapter seven of the book is actually about my husband and he's a firefighter and talks about elements of teamwork in, in his job, which is totally different than on the soccer field because it's life yeah, or death exactly. for for them. And then obviously the, the communication, um, coming together to communicate and dealing with conflict. So there's all that work needs to be done because not everything's smooth and not every time we're all like, yes, you know, good communicator. So you have to do that work. And then you move on to the pillar form motivate. And this one I think is interesting because what keeps your team coming back each year? What keeps the players coming back? What pe what keeps people coming back to work? And obviously part of it has to be loving what they do, the chemistry, the people they're working with. They're going to want to be around them. Um, you know, cultivating your culture. What's your culture like? Is it a place where you believe in and, and feel good about? Or is it something you're like, gosh, these people are doing things that are morals and values that I don't agree with. And then the uh, mentality. So you have to have that mentality to keep wanting to be the best or to keep wanting to do your job the best ability that you can. And then the 13th, with obviously we're playing on my number, mm -hmm. um, is doing what's right. And I think in the concept of anything we're a part of, you, you have to have the your values, morals intact and doing what's right. I mean, you can play a game, a board game, card game, soccer game, and cut corners and cheat a little bit here and there, but really 
uh, is that winning in, in your mindset? I think we always kind of try to do what was right in the bigger picture than just winning the game of soccer. Let's go back to a couple of these. Back in the transform part, which is really about talent, mm-hmm. you talked about green and gray, a combination yeah. of the, you know, kind of the newer people and the veterans. You told a great story on page 15. I think it was one of my favorites. And that was about Tracy Bates, who helped mm-hmm. you with a fitness test. What a... Um, Wonderful example of sort of combining everything good about sports and teamwork. Would you would you share that? Yes. Yeah, so there is a story in there with Tracy Bates, who uh, not only was a member, I uh, was a teammate of mine on the U.S. Women's National Team, but also at the University of North Carolina. And you want to talk about everything good about uh, a person in the game and what you're around. Tracy Bates was that. And uh, the story was so we were teammates on the national team, and then I joined North Carolina. You know, I, I joined North Carolina in 89. It was my freshman year. So I had been on the national team a couple years. And I had um, – Tracy was also left midfielder. And I was obviously um, trying – I'm a left-footed and trying that position. So I ended up in the end kind of taking her starting position away from her. And in the same concept, I'm joining the North Carolina team with her. And we have to do this fitness test. And the fitness test is two, uh, two miles and 12 minutes or just under two miles in 12 minutes. And, uh, I was struggling. I literally had like, I had to get, I had like a minute to a minute and a half to get there. I had one more lap to go and Anson's, you know, counting down and Tracy's fit fitness is incredible. And she started running and then she knew that she would be able to pat this, but she wanted to make sure her teammates mm-hmm. would too. So she literally was facing me running backwards a little bit saying, come on, Lil, you got this. And all I did was just follow her, her example, her voice. And she got me across that line uh, to pass the test. And it was pretty incredible. I, I love that story. Uh, and then when we talk about the achieving part, learning through preparation, and it reminds me, and, and again, you're talking to somebody and I apologize. I, you know, I don't really know a whole lot about soccer or what the rest of the world mm-hmm. calls football. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love watching the women's soccer. I just uh, love you guys. And I back in when on your team, when you won, I remember that day I was actually, I was speaking somewhere in the States. I don't remember where it was, but I remember getting off the stage and running back to my room in the hotel because I wanted to watch that final game. And that's not just not something I, you know, uh, done. But you guys were just so, so amazing. And just you captured the imagination of an entire uh, nation. So mm-hmm. I remember, though, uh, hearing that, you know, that, that save you made, which, of course, is legendary. But that wasn't just by chance. That was really mm-hmm. you. That was preparation. You knew exactly where to be. Correct. Yes. I mean, that's the thing about when you are watching sports or, um, I mean, doing anything, people have their roles and, uh, we go over it and over and over it. And, you know, from coach, uh, Anson Dorrance, who is our coach and then coach Tony Chico, who was our coach, the mm-hmm. 1999 team passed away a couple of years ago. Um, we would, uh, we would go, we would have team meetings. We'd have pregame meeting where we'd go over our positioning and it would be on the, you know, board, okay, we'd get up and stand. So we'd like, okay, everyone up for quarter kicks on defensive corners, starters, where do you stand? And we would, you know, stand where our job, our positions were. And mine was on the post. And it wasn't just the near post. So it was the, it was the post where my left foot was inside the goal. So there is one rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. And my left foot's inside the goal. So if the ball comes in, I can clear with my left foot because that was my dominant mm-hmm. foot. 
So it happened to be the near post on this on this kick uh, in the World Cup, but uh, it, I, w- I was supposed to be there, and I played over 354 games for the United States, and I literally can tell you twice maybe that I had to save a ball from line, but nothing like the save in 1999. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, perhaps one of my favorite thoughts from the book, this was from Michelle Akers. In fact, I tweeted about this several times. I think I tweeted about it this morning. It's where she said, we had a, and here I'm quoting, well, quote within the quote, we had a culture of extra. Now, I love that Mm -hmm. phrase. Was that a phrase that you all consciously discussed and came up with, or was that just a way of just describing that part of the culture? Um, there was just a way of describing it, but I, we all lived it, um, and it was, we always did more. We always did more um, individually, but oh, we also did more to push each other. And um, that that's why when I talk about the U.S. Women's National Team, that if you, if you haven't played on it, you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Because when you stepped on the field, we were good. We were good, but it was never, there was no complacent. We were never settled. We always wanted to be better. And there was always something more we could do, whether it was Michelle you know, going out early before practices or staying late and practicing her free kicks, whether some of us running some extra fitness to help some other players feel better about that. There was always something you'd find in someone doing a little bit extra. And, uh, and it helped us all to be stronger. Now, you, uh, you run a soccer camp now with, with Mia mm-hmm. Hamm and uh, Tisha Venturini-Hoke, uh, Team First mm-hmm. Soccer. Tell us about that and what you're doing, what you're providing these girls and young women and, and so forth. Yeah, what I love so much from this book to, you know, the the our our company team for Soccer Academy that the three of us started is we're using these same same elements that we were as a part of a team now running our business. And this is why with this connection with the sports and businesses is, is uh, works for this book. And Team for Soccer Academy started we started in 2010 and the three of us along with our other friend Angela Kelly who coaches at University of Texas we're trying to figure out ways we could help the game. I mean, she was coaching collegiately, and the th- other us three were like, shoot, we're not playing anymore, so our impact is a different concept. So we decided to run camps, and uh, I'm like, oh, sweet, let's go teach kids, travel the country and, uh, and the world. We've been to Iraq, and uh, teach kids about the game. And then we're trying to figure out a name. And obviously, Tish and I, obviously me as well, know we're like, let's just call me a ham camp. <laughs> that'll be that'll be an easy sell. But and in this uh, the in the sum of everything, it's it was never about you know it was never about just me. I sure. made sure it was always about our team. So we started to think about things why why we did what we did when we played. It was always for the team. So we always were putting mm-hmm. the team first, mm-hmm. and that's how we got the name. And and now we share the love of the game with young people. Um, and our focus is, is about teaching, but also about being a good teammate and um, being able to grow individually while also helping your team be successful. Wonderful. Good. Good luck with that. I can I just can only imagine the, the lives. <laughs> I hope so. It's been a lot of fun. That. Yeah. Hmm. Christine Lilly is an expert on effective teamwork and consults with corporations and organizations, providing lessons gleaned from her Hall of Fame soccer career. She's now author, co-author of the book Powerhouse, 13 Teamwork Tactics That Build Excellence and Unrivaled Success, which she co-authored with Dr. John Gillis Jr. and Dr. Lynette Gillis. If you're wanting to turn your company into a powerhouse, bring Christine into your organization. You can find her at Christine Lilly 13. 
Com and check out her Team First Soccer Academy at TeamFirstSoccerAcademy.com. All pertinent Christine Lilly information will, of course, be in the show notes. Christine, thank you so much, and please continue to, to be a powerhouse. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Main takeaway I received from Christine is that there's a lot that goes into the making of a powerhouse. Above all, though, it's the culture of Team First. What did you take from Christine in this discussion, and how will you begin to apply it to making your team a powerhouse? Please feel free to write to me at bob at berg.com and let me know. All of John David Mann's and my books in the Go-Giver series can be found at thegogiver.com, where you can download chapters one and two, or just click on the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit thegogiver.com slash reviews. I enjoy reading every review, and your review will also help others to much more easily find this show. That's all for today. The Go-Giver podcast is brought to you by thegogiver.com. Visit www.thegogiver.com and get our free special report, Endless Prospects, The Go-Giver Way. That's thegogiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Berg. Make it a great day.